Hi, this is Taze Thompson. I'm with the Harvard women's hockey team and you're listening to College Hockey Talk. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matthew. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Harvard women's hockey player Taze Thompson. In this interview, we discuss in depth about Taze's hockey career, including her first year playing with Harvard and growing up in a hockey family and moving around a lot and playing for a bunch of different teams, including New Hampton School and the Boston Junior Eagles. I had so much fun interviewing Taze, and I can't thank her enough for coming on and discussing her hockey career with me. It really means a lot. However, before we get to today's interview, I'd just like to ask you if you can please follow our social media accounts at College Hockey Talk, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, or on YouTube, where you can watch this entire interview. Also, subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and follow us on Spotify and leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I'd truly appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to me. Let's get right into it. Here is the interview with Taze. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest, first-year player on the Harvard women's hockey team, Taze Thompson, joins the show. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Taze, and thank you so much for coming on. How's everything going? Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Everything's going good. I'm, uh, I'm in Michigan right now for a break, visiting some family, so things are all going good over here. That's good to hear. And it's kind of hard to believe that you've finished the first half in your first semester of your, I guess, first year in college. So what did you take away from the games you've played so far and how would you evaluate your team's performance uh, throughout the first half of the season? Yeah, it's uh, crazy to believe that we're already halfway done. I feel that uh, like that kind of went by in the blink of an eye. But I mean, so far, I think the biggest takeaway is just for me, like how competitive and fast every single game is making the jump to college hockey. Um, you know, we're playing against some of the best girls, the best girls in the country, and every game is such a battle and every game is so important. But I think the team, you know, we were so eager to get back at it, especially because Ivy Leagues um, and a couple other teams didn't play during the pandemic year. Um, so I just think we had so much buzz, so much jump, so much like built up eagerness to get back on the ice. So, so far, so good. Well, that's good to hear. And how are you approaching the second half of the season? Like, what are your team's goals and expectations? And what do you hope to achieve yourself um, uh, looking at the second half of the schedule? Yeah, no, I think the second half, we want to come in the same way that we came in the first half, you know, ready to go for everything, uh, especially because we see some new teams that we didn't see in the first half, you know, like Quinnipiac and Princeton, two very good programs. So I think we're eager to play the rest of what ECAC has. And, you know, UMD, we haven't played them before in the past, I don't believe. So we have some really good tests, some good matchups. And I think we're super excited to play these good teams. You know, we really want to continue to elevate our game. Other teams are getting better and, you know, we're getting better at the same time. But I think we use that that drive that everyone else is getting better to keep our performance up and just keep on this incline that we're kind of on right now. Yeah, just talk about what it's like playing in the ECAC and just the competition you face every night. I know you haven't played every team yet in the conference, but what have you noticed from playing the different teams that you've played so far? 
Yeah, I think ECAC has so much skill and, you know, a lot of teams are very physical. So every single game you have to come prepared the exact same way because you're going to get a good test every single game. You can never take a game off. Um, you know, it's also really fun. You, you play against girls that you grew up with and, you know, maybe played AAA with or did some national camps with. So definitely really exciting playing in the ECAC. Um, I'm excited, again, to see what the second half has to offer. But so far, it's been great. Now, who are some of the players you got to play against uh, this time versus being on their team with so far? Yeah, for sure. So I played against my friend Kalti. Uh, she plays at Colgate. I don't know if you've talked to her. She's a great player. Um, a lot of New Hampton girls um, along the way are going to come up soon that I'm going to be able to play against. Um, some friends at Union uh, that I grew up in Sherwood Park with, Amiki Bear. Uh, so, you know, lifelong friends just kind of splattered all over the place. It's been really fun. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you're playing against some great competition. But the one thing I like or find interesting about the ECAC is you play a different team every weekend. It's not like in other conferences where you play the same team on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So what's that like yeah. kind of adjusting to different teams on a night-to-night -night basis? Yeah, honestly, I think in a way it's a little bit more advantageous. I always find it's kind of hard to play the same team twice, um, maybe a little bit more of a grittier battle. So I like that we get a fresh a fresh team every single game. Um I think, you know, it, it changes up because each team is different. Like each team brings a lot of different players with a lot of different skill sets. So you kind of have to approach each game the same, but it always brings something different. It's always really fun. So I, I personally like it, having a new test every game. Now, what's been the biggest improvement you've made to your game in college hockey so far? Has it been the mental side of the game or has it been kind of just the physical side since you're going against players that are a lot older than you are? And it's also a much quicker game as well. Yeah, I would say maybe a little bit of both. Uh, definitely the physicality of the game. Uh, girls are quick and fast, so you don't really have a lot of time and space with the puck as opposed to maybe when you were in high school. Um, so you kind of have to be one play ahead, you know, always know what you want to do with the puck before you get it kind of thing. Um, and then for the mental side too, maybe just taking care of yourself and learning to really emphasize like rolling out, eating good, getting a lot of hydration because you're there's so much wear and tear on your body like the collegiate schedule I feel like is pretty pretty hectic pretty tedious so I would say just really really being conscientious of like taking care of yourself maybe a little bit more so than we had to in AAA or high school yeah and I think it's also another thing just talking to the players just controlling the controllables I think I've something that I've had to learn the past two years since the pandemic began was yeah. just kind of having, having to control what you can control just because there's so many variables that you can't control how do you try to learn that um, playing college hockey since there's a lot of things that you can't really control yeah I think just being present and you know I think control the controllables is like such a good saying and it can be applied anywhere um, because if you if you're worried about something that's really out of your control, I think that's just wasted energy and you could be putting that energy towards something that you can't control. So definitely just being present and, and worrying about what's in your hands, I think, is always just a great way to play and really just to live. Yeah. And then another thing about Harvard's schedule, which I find interesting, is your team starts a little bit later than the other teams in the conference. How does it how do you guys try to build that momentum, even though you have a later start in your schedule? Yeah, you know, I think, well, we're on the ice every single day and we're in the gym. So I think it's it's good because it's a it's a really good buildup. So I think you do have a lot of jam. Like everyone's just almost waiting for that first puck drop. So I think just we're always together as a group, whether it's like in class, in the dining hall, in the gym. So just focusing on like togetherness and then that togetherness leads to something bigger when the puck does finally drop. So I think the built up eagerness is awesome and it really fueled us right from the start. 
Now we talked about the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey, but what's been the biggest improvement you've noticed in your game uh, since playing college hockey? Biggest improvement, I would probably say um, reading and reacting, like my ability to kind of make quicker decisions. Like I kind of said before, you don't have as much time. Um, and then maybe just being a little bit more tactical, like as a centerman, like D zone, like I think there's such a huge emphasis on D zone. Um, and like, you can't really take care of the O zone unless you take care of your D zone. So learning to communicate with your D knowing who has who, um, I've seen a huge improvement just from the start of the year to now. So maybe the X's and O's a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And how do you try to work on that quick reaction part of your game? Is it like a drills you can do during practice that helps improve the area of your game? Or is it kind of just building that up, uh, playing games? I think it's a little bit of both for sure. Um, in practice, you know, we do do a lot of like competitive games, a lot of passing drills that require you to make, you know, make passes, make plays before. Um, because in practice, you know, everything's really competitive. So we want to really push each other. So that translates over to games. And then it kind of you, you do adjust to it a little bit more with each game that you play because there's always someone right on you. And so, you know, after a couple games on your belt that someone's going to be on you pretty quick. So you kind of have to adapt to that and um, kind of get your feet going first or like know what you want to do with the puck before you get it. So definitely both. Now your team is also currently ranked. So my question is how has yourself and the rest of your teammates maintained your winning consistency and how does your team handle the pressure of being a ranked team? Yeah, I think just emphasizing like never getting complacent. We really talk about that a lot and you know, it's awesome to be ranked, but we, we want to elevate that. Like we want to go up in the rankings. We don't want to stay there. We don't want to drop down. So I think always striving for a little bit more. Um, it's awesome that we're ranked. We love it. We get fired up. We use it to keep motivating us. But I think, uh, you know, coaches and our teammates, captains all emphasize you just never want to be complacent. You never want to be happy with where you are um, in the moment. Like you want to keep getting better. Now, obviously, the rankings have some importance because it helps determine what happens with the national tournament. And yeah. the reason why I kind of want to mention that is because obviously the tournament is being expanded from eight to 11 teams. And I think they announced the format of how that's going to work because I know it's going to happen for this season. So my question is, uh, how excited are you for an expanded tournament? And what are some of the benefits you think you're going to see uh, from that for new format? Oh, it's awesome. Um, I think, you know, we really voiced that we wanted that expansion to be made and it's incredible that we got it. Um, it's just a better opportunity to see more skilled teams really battle at the end. Um, there's so much talent in D1 hockey and across NCAA. Um, so I think it's really going to elevate the pace of play and for more teams to be able to get that opportunity to try and win a national championship. I think it's going to be awesome. We're, we were so excited when we got the news. It was, it was over the moon joy in the locker room and in video room when we found out. So I think it's going to be really exciting in the future. Now, I also think it's going to help kind of grow the game of women's hockey just because one more teams are going to get the opportunity to play in the tournament which will help make new fans but also give players opportunities to be in those big situations in the national tournament I don't know if you agree with me on that I just kind of feel like that's a definitely. big reason why yeah definitely I think that's a huge push to grow the women's game especially when we were campaigning it you know we took use to social media a lot to try and close the gap was like the hashtag so, uh, saw it all over Instagram and Twitter and you know my team really tried to put the word out there and I know a lot of other teams did as well so to see kind of that you know everyone was advocating for the growth of women's game and for us to kind of get a uh, similar opportunity than the men's get it was awesome we were super fired up
Now, something else to think about the second half of the season, and unfortunately this is a question I didn't want to talk about. I thought we were kind of past it, but unfortunately it's kind of brought back up because I know Harvard uh, announced that you guys are going to be going remote for the first few weeks in uh, January. So my question is, uh, how are you going to try to handle the COVID thing uh, for the second half, and how much of an impact do you think it's going to have on your season? Yeah, so I think we're really good at kind of handling obstacles when they've been thrown at us. You know, our season was canceled last year, and I think everyone did a really good job just staying mentally prepared and keeping our bodies ready. I think living in a pandemic, you kind of have to be ready for everything, and everyone's become really flexible at handling situations when they come at them. So, I mean, again, like, it's almost like going back to controlling the controllables. We don't really know what's going to happen, but I think you know, it's kind of like hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Like you just always have to be ready, expect the worst. And if it's not that bad, then we just keep going on and keep playing. So. Yeah. Because I feel like if my memory serves me correct, Harvard was like the first school to like shut down when this whole thing began. And now when they're doing it again, it kind of just brings back memories of what happened two years ago. So it makes me a little nervous, even though I'm trying not to. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But I mean, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. We, we're really hoping for the best. Harvard's done a really good job keeping everyone safe as best they can. Like our COVID protocols are, you know, the best that they can be. And we're really, as a team, we are really following all the, co- the protocols. We wear our masks in the locker and we do everything we can to prevent the spread. So I think that's the only thing we really can keep doing at this point. Now let's kind of transition from bad news to some good news that happened uh, this year because you scored your first collegiate goal against St. Lawrence. Uh, just talk about what it was like in that goal and uh, who was the first person you called and where's the puck? Uh, where do you keep the puck today? Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty exciting. I think I have my uh, my teammates to thank for that one. I think I was right place, right time on the power play. I was fortunate enough to redirect it in, but. Um, I think I, I got off the ice and my mom had already texted me. She, she's a big emoji girl, so I don't even know if I saw any words. It's just a bunch of emojis. She was pretty fired up. Um, and then I think I called my dad after, just asked if he'd watched. They, uh, they haven't been able to come out to any games yet this year, so they're always watching from afar. They probably screamed at me a couple times on the TV before because it took me a couple games to put the puck in the net. Um, but yeah, after four or five games, it was, it was awesome to get the monkey off the back. Um, I keep the puck in my dorm room, just sitting in the window there. Um, it was pretty exciting. It was, it was awesome. My teammates' reaction on the bench was probably the best part of it. I think they were more excited than I was, which is just shows how awesome like the culture is at Harvard Hockey. Yeah, when the season ends, are you going to keep the puck at like your childhood home or like in your hometown, or are you just going to keep bringing it with you every year when you go back to school? That's a good question. I don't really know. Maybe, maybe keep it back in the childhood room. Maybe. Yeah. Try and try and get some, some new momentum going after that one. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll keep it with me for good luck. Never know. Yeah. And obviously just looking at your stats from juniors, you were a huge goal scorer. So how good did it feel to kind of, like you said, get that monkey off your back and get the first one in college hockey? Cause it's the first one I feel like is always the toughest one to get. Yeah, no, definitely always the toughest one to get. It was it was awesome. I think, too, like, once you find your rhythm, um, as a forward or defenseman, or if you're just a goal scorer, like, finding your rhythm is super nice. So getting the first one's awesome, and then you just want to keep – you don't want to think too much about it. You want to be in, like, your head. And if you're contributing to the team in ways other than goal scoring, like, you're still making plays, being a good defensive player, being a good teammate, then – I mean, the goals will come after that, and it's awesome to contribute on the scoreboard. But if you're doing what you can off, then that's all you can really ask for. 
Yeah, and those are just good confidence built boosters as well because I think something that a lot of hockey players don't like talking about, which I feel like they should talk more about, is just how important confidence is in the game because I know when I play, whenever I have more confidence, I feel like I play better, I have more energy uh, compared to when I don't have confidence. And with regarding confidence, I feel like you know confidence is very easy to lose, but it's so hard to gain confidence. So just yeah. making the little plays uh, will help build the confidence, which will ultimately help make you a better player. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Now, talk about the freshman class that you get to play with. It's a big class, obviously kind of two classes combined. So uh, what's it been like to uh, play with them? And how have you guys gotten to know each other since you're such a big uh, class? Yeah, no, it's a super kind of unconventional year. Uh, The backlog of COVID kind of, like you said, made one big class. So I think there's 14, like, rookies on the team. Uh, You know, it's a big group, but it's definitely, like, a special one. Um, And I think just because COVID kind of did the same thing to all of us, that we're all in the same boat. So we really lean on each other for support. Um, And I think that honestly just makes us so close. Like, even though there's a lot of us, we're all so close and we see each other, you know, at the rink, outside the rink, dining hall, like we're always spending time together. Um, But yeah, in in a way, like all of that, you know, misfortune from COVID brought us together. And I think we're such a close knit group. Um, So, I mean, I think we all looked at it like the best way we can. I don't think any one of us expected to have a class of 14, but we love it. We joke about it. It's fun. And we make it like the best that we can. So it's good. And what's it like playing with the upperclassmen? Because I'm assuming it's probably weird for them that they play one year (laughs) in college hockey. Then when they finally get back to playing games, like basically the whole team is like full of different players. So how have they tried to help your transition into college hockey? And what's it been like playing with them? They've been awesome. I mean, they've really adjusted to it because it's probably just as hard on them as it is on us, but they've made it a blast. Um, They really connect us together as well as a freshman group, but they're so good at integrating everyone. Like there's, there's no divide there and never will be a divide. I don't think. Um, And, and they've been unbelievable. Our captains, our upperclassmen, all of them. Now, what did you like, I guess, how was it did you was there like a period of time where you had to get rid of rust um just because you didn't play at all last season and what was that process like uh, trying to get rid of that rust so when you got back to playing games um that it wasn't really a big factor for your team and for yourself yeah so before our season even started um you know we we were having captain's practices which was obviously good and then before um like the official like our first game was our first official game was Dartmouth but prior to that we were able to scrimmage the Boston Pride, um, which is a professional women's team. And that was really good, I think, to get the rust off. They were uh, nice enough to come and scrimmage us at our rink twice. Um, and, you know, they're a great team. They're all ex-college players playing professional now. So I think that was a really good way to just kind of get the rust off prior to playing an official NCAA game. Um, and it just prepared us for those battles, for the speed that we're going to see in college. Um, just to get more touches on our stick, get our feet under us again. And it was, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, what was the biggest difference I think from playing professional hockey players to college hockey players? Is there like any difference really, or is there like an adjustment you have to make or is it kind of the same? It was, it was, um, honestly, I, I couldn't really tell just because I hadn't played a hockey game in so long. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really know if there was, if I could see much of a difference. I was just excited to put my skates back on, get out there and actually play like a real hockey game and not like scrimmages in the summer, which I think a lot of us were doing. Um, but you know, they, they're a great team. Like they're, they're a bunch of ex, you know, some of the best from their respective college teams, uh, coming together to be on that professional team. So it was definitely unbelievable competition and it was, it was really fun. 
any former Harvard players that got to play for the Pride? That must have been cool for yourself to talk to and play against some alumni. Yeah, I don't know if actually – I know that prior to the, uh, that uh, Pride team that they have right now, we did have Harvard girls, but the team that we played, I don't believe anyone on that team oh, okay. uh, was Harvard alumni. That's just a point. That would have been cool to play. Yeah, that would have been really fun. <laughs> yeah, especially for your coach since she's been there for so long. She probably knows everyone. Definitely. Now, kind of transitioning, let's talk about your offseason and how you prepared for your first year in college hockey. So what was your offseason like? Did you do anything interesting, whether it was hockey-related or non-hockey-related? Yeah, so my offseason, I was in uh, San Jose, California, and I was working at the Sharks Ice, which is just the uh, practice facility for the San Jose Sharks. Um, and it was it was awesome. It was the best gig ever. I was I was training there, skating there, working out there. But I also had a job there, so I was coaching little kids and I was doing camps and working around the rink. Um, it was it was the best setup ever. I loved it. Loved Northern California, and then um, definitely definitely worked on my golf game a lot when I was up there. So it was hockey, golf, train, work, repeat, hiking yeah. sometimes. It's a lot of spending a lot of time with family, but it was awesome. Couldn't have had a better setup up there. Now, what's your handicap looking like for golf after this past summer? Hopefully you improved a little oh, bit. It's, it definitely has to improve. I don't know if I can disclose because I don't want people to, you know, <laughs> get, jealous, get jealous of how good I really am. Mm-hmm. But that definitely, definitely went up. Definitely lots of room for improvement, but uh, got to work on my short game. That's, that's the next step, but it was so much fun. I think I was on the golf course every single day in the summer. It was the best. Yeah, I feel like like I haven't played golf in like a few months, and every time when you get back to playing after not playing for golf, it's like it's such an adjustment. Like it's like at least for hockey, like it, once oh, you, like after the first few minutes, you kind of like all right, I kind of get get it now. But for golf, it's like oh my gosh, I need to learn how to do my swing again and all that oh. stuff. But for the short game, I totally agree with you. My putting game is brutal. Like I can shoot like three, get it on the green, and it's like five shots yeah. until it gets in the hole. hundred percent. It's all. <laughs> Everything just goes to waste as soon as I get anywhere around the green. Then I um, gotta really dial it in. But <laughs> I agree. I don't know if I'll be able to hit the ball off the tee box anymore when I come back to golf after this season. It's been so long. And then also Northern California. What were some of the cool hikes you got to do there? Because I feel like people underrate Northern California. Everyone talks about the Southern California vibe, just with the beaches and stuff. But I was just watching some YouTube videos recently of like some cool like hiking spots and there was like a beach called like Thornton Bay Beach that was cool so just some of the cool like uh, what were some of the cool hiking spots you got to do there because I feel like I I don't know I feel like you probably like Northern California just because of how how nice it is yeah I loved it I was in um Los Gatos area a lot so I did like a lot of Los Gatos uh creeks and trails um my family and I like my parents are huge outdoors people so we would try and you know hit a different hike every day we lived in Campbell which is just a little bit outside of San Jose um, but there was just always tons. I think Los Gatos, we hit, we hit the same one a lot just because of like the incline and it was right by a reservoir. Um, it's really cool because I feel like these little hiking trails are maybe not talked about a lot or super underrated. Cause like you said, everyone loves Southern California, but Northern California, it's not as touristy maybe, but mm-hmm. it's just it's beautiful. Like the weather is just so nice. People are great. Weather's great. So I think, yeah, living there was the best. You don't want to reveal too many of your secret trails or else it'll start getting crowded and more annoying. So exactly. you, gotta, you kind of have to keep it on the down low a little bit. Exactly. I got to keep my therapeutic trails to myself. But if anyone needs them, I mean, maybe I can share a few. Yeah. Did you get to see any redwood forest trees? Because I think that's a big thing in Northern California, right? Or you didn't get the yeah, opportunity to do that? Yeah, I think I did. I oh, think that's I cool. Did. 
I, it was, um, it was more like if you go south a little bit, I think mm -hmm. you get into all of that stuff. But I definitely think I did. I don't know if it was actually redwood tree, but I remember standing next to a tree that looked like it shouldn't have even been real. Like I thought I was hallucinating. It was ginormous. Oh yeah, those things are huge. Like like you see of them, and like you like, eh, it's not that big. But yeah. seeing them with like compared to like a normal size human, it's like shows yeah. you how massive they are. And the sad part is, I think a lot of them are going away just because the climate change so it's you kind of yeah. need to start to enjoy them now yeah if anyone has a chance to go and see them i would it's it's like not even believable how big yeah now on, on the hockey kind of side of things uh what was it like kind of working with the sharks and did you get to see any um sharks players um that must have been cool if that happened. yeah yeah so my dad at the time so my dad was coaching with uh, the san jose sharks so that's why we were up there so i would uh I'd actually be on the ice sometimes. So they'd have like their Sharks players on one end, but then me and my sister would claim the other end. Um, try and stay out of their way a little bit because when Carlson's coming down, you <laughs> <laughs> don't want to get in his way. But um, yeah, we would, I would see them a lot, actually. We would always split the ice. Um, I have a lot of friends, too, that um, are my age that are drafted by San Jose, so I would see them skate with them a little bit. Um, it, was, it was honestly just such a good little community in San Jose. Yeah, I don't know too many Sharks prospects. I had Thomas Bordolo on the podcast, and he's one of their top prospects. So hopefully sure. you get to see him one day. I don't know if he was yeah. there or not this summer. No, I, I don't think I saw him last summer, but I don't know if you know Ozzy-wise, but I, he grew up in Alberta a little bit close to me. So I saw Ozzy out there a lot uh, putting in work. <laughs> yeah. better. I'm trying to think who Alex Young. I had him on the podcast recently. He's an Alberta kid, and he also is drafted by okay. the Sharks too. So plays for Colgate. So I'm trying to think, but uh, you, none of the NHL players, I assume, were there just because it's summertime, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's I mean, cool. There was there was a handful, but I think a lot of them were with their families wherever they were. Yeah, well, that's cool that you got to have that experience. You probably had the best uh, training kind of setup because you're going against the best players in the world. Um, yeah. Not a lot of players get to say that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty neat. That's for sure. Now, overall, how is training going for yourself? Like, what are you working on right now regarding your game? Yeah, right now, training's going going awesome. I think there's so many resources at Harvard. So, uh, just, like, off the ice, obviously getting stronger, bigger, faster. A lot of emphasis on, like, I think first three steps, like, just continuing to build that explosiveness. Um, and then on the ice, um, one of our coaches, Sid Daniels, she's an ex-Harvard hockey player. Um, she does all the forward skills. So like on separate practice time, you can just text it, ask what you want to work on. And she is just unbelievable and coming out. Um, we have a lot of ice always. So it's awesome. We have availability to that ice and she comes out and works on right now, um, kind of underhandling the puck and just working on that quick release because, you know, goalies are so good at the collegiate level that you've got to find ways to beat them. Um, if you have that extra stick handle or hold on to it too long, that window of opportunity probably isn't going to be there. So Underhandling the puck, uh, definitely drilling, drilling that into my head for sure. Yeah, and you also get to go against Lindsey Reed in practice, who's one of the top goalies um, yeah. in NCAA, so that probably helps out a little bit as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. Now, did you face any challenges this past offseason preparing uh, for the upcoming season with the pandemic kind of going on, but with some things opening back up? Because when you compare it to the previous offseason, I felt like most hockey players were pretty much shut down. They couldn't go to gyms, and ice times were impossible to find. Yeah, I think um, a little bit like so the pandemic year is definitely the the toughest just with everything being shut down. But uh, last off season up in California, it was a little bit tougher at first. 
um, their COVID protocols were really bad in that Santa Clara um, County because COVID was so bad, but they still found ways to do it. Like, I think we had to come to the rink. It was during that phase where you were like home dressing, mm-hmm. wearing masks under the helmet. So like, it was a little bit goofy, but like you did it just because you had, like you wanted to get, like you would honestly do anything at that point just to train, get touches. Um, so maybe that was a little bit stricter. It was more, more of a hassle, but it still was a lot better than I know some places had it. So I was just grateful to even be able to get out, even if it meant home dressing, wearing masks under the helmet, it was, it was fine. And then eventually, um, you know, the phases kind of kept getting better and then things started full opening up fully. And then we were back to normal and it was business as usual. So it wasn't too bad at all. And when things were starting to open back up, did that change your approach for the off season? You're like, all right, and now I have more freedom to kind of do and train the way I'm normally used to training. So how did that change your approach to the off season? Just trying to try and take advantage of it as much as you can and control the controllables like we talked about um, previously. Yeah. yeah, definitely. When things started opening up, it was like, okay, it's like, it's go time. Like, I mean, maybe a little bit before you sometimes get maybe a little bit unmotivated just because it's like so much things that you have to go through and you really have to force yourself to like get up and get active and get going. Um, but when things started opening up, it was like, let's go like kind of reality set in, like it's no more playing around. Like you kind of like you, you jump on every opportunity that you really have to be able to train. So, um, you know, the gym opened up like in the rink, I think it was shut a little bit before. And so then when that opened up, obviously utilizing that every day and then everything else opening up, you, you really jump on the opportunities that you have because Again, even I think last summer, there were still some places that were shut down. So still some people were still going through what we went through a little bit over a year ago. So just being grateful that we had, you know, those opportunities and doing everything we can to keep getting better. Yeah, I know in Ontario, like the restrictions are much, much more stricter there than it is anywhere here in the U.S. So like I know a lot of those players were kind of still dealing with the same things that, you know, most hockey players are doing the previous offseason. Yeah, I had teammates in Ontario that were still, you know, kind of working out at home and, and doing everything they can to like make like makeshift weights so they could mm-hmm. just get lifts in. Um, so I was I was super fortunate to have the resources that I did have because I know some people still kind of had to battle with that a little bit. Now, how what did you do last year when the season was being played? Like, I guess, like, how does that work? Because normally when people don't have a season, it's because of injuries, but this one was kind of out of your control. So what are you, like, doing during that time to, like, yeah. stay ready to play games? When, um, when our season was canceled, I was living in Alberta in the house that I grew up in, and I went to Vimy Ridge Academy um, when I was in seventh grade, which is just a hockey school. Like, you go to school um, in the morning, and then all afternoon you have gym and hockey. And so I was actually able, when I moved back to Alberta during the pandemic year, um, every day I was able to get on the ice and kind of train with the grade 12s that um, I was, you know, supposed to be my freshman year. So I was just training with the grade below me. Um, some really good high-level guys and girls that were playing at that school. So every day I would go out, skate with them. Um, and then I had, you know, kind of like a little home gym at home. So I was able to uh, keep getting stronger with my sister at home. But it was awesome because in Alberta I had access to that ice still. So they would scrimmage, um, you know, every weekend, practice all week. So it was still good because I was still in that kind of practice, you know, fast-paced mode. Um, wasn't like college, of course, but it was, it was the best it could be, um, in that situation. Did you watch any college hockey last year or was it kind of hard to? No, definitely I did because I had, you know, uh, friends from New Hampton that had graduated that were playing. So obviously I was cheering them on and I was getting pumped for them. Um, it, it was a little bit tough just because it's just such a kick in the face because you just want to be playing so bad. So to watch everyone else. 
um, kind of having those seasons. Um, it was a little bit tough, but it honestly just motivated you more because you knew that we were going to get our turn. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely watched just to keep up with my old friends, my, own, my old teammates and cheer them on, even though we couldn't be playing. Now, I guess what were your thoughts on just the results of last year with UMass winning it for the men's side and then Wisconsin winning again for the women's side? Yeah, the Wisconsin game was crazy. I remember watching that um, on TV when it went into overtime, and that was pretty exciting. Um, I know a lot of girls on that Wisconsin team, um, so I was I was pumped for them. I mean, obviously, we wanted to be in that spot, and, like, we wanted to have that season, get those opportunities, but, I mean, it is what it is. Um, and then the men's, yeah, the men's, I think, was actually really exciting, too. I remember following that all the way down to the wire, and um, it's pretty cool to see, even if you can't be in it, like you still get fired up because watching other people have success just makes you want to be so much more successful so badly and you want to be in that position as well. So like I said, just kind of using it to keep boosting motivation. Yeah, I thought that semifinal game between UMass and Duluth was probably the best game of the season last year. And then once went to overtime, like yeah. how many times? I no, remember that was uh, the North Dakota Duluth game. The, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was crazy too. Yeah, that but was nuts. I think eventually by like the fourth overtime like oh my gosh like the players are getting so tired like they need to score a goal at some point but I remember watching I was in a hotel room I don't know where I was but I remember watching that one and I I followed that one because I was so I just wanted to see who's gonna win I couldn't imagine how they were feeling after four periods of overtime yeah that's third yeah like I just remember watching that game and like it was by like the third overtime it was like one in the morning I was like I'm not going to bed I've already made so many hours watching this game I'm gonna see who wins it just because that's just so eventually it did happen I was like thank goodness turned the tv right off went to bed so but uh no that was a fun game but no that UMass Duluth game was super fun to watch just because Duluth beat them the previous year uh, to win the national championship to see them come yeah. back was pretty cool and yeah um, I'm excited because the frozen four is going to be in Boston uh, this year so it should be cool to go to those games in person yeah that should be super fun Boston's always super fun fun spot especially for hockey now go- going back to school was that an adjustment for yourself um, because uh, talking to Kristen last year apparently the whole team took gap years and how does that work with eligibility and what's it been like going back to school yeah, so I took a semester online. Um, I took one semester online thinking that we were going to have like a condensed season in the winter. So out of the 14 of the first years, I think four of us um, enrolled and we did one semester. Um, and Harvard did a great job just uh, kind of working that online. It, it, it was tough. I mean, some, some uh, national students were able to be on campus. Um, so me and Paige Lester, another Canadian, we were in Canada, we couldn't be there, but we were doing school online. Um, and then we took a leave of absence once our season was like officially, um, officially a no-go. Um, so it wasn't too bad getting back into school um, this year because I had taken a semester last fall. Um, I mean, I didn't do any school this spring, but I think a lot of us tried to do as, <laughs> as much as we could to keep our brain like activated. Like I, I think I read a book a week and it was, it was actually more fun because you got to spend more time doing leisure reading and stuff that you don't normally get to do when you're in a school year just because you have so much going on. Um, but then when we got back to campus, um, I think professors and TAs know that a lot of us did take gap years and um, semesters off because of COVID. So they were super accommodating. Like they, they want you to be successful. Like they will do everything they can to make sure that you're not, you know, falling behind. Like your teammates do everything they can to keep you up to date and, you know, make sure that you're successful in the classroom just as good as you are on the ice. So I actually don't think it was too bad at all. Yeah, that must stink though to do some online school because the part of going to Harvard is you get to 
work with the best professors like in the country and the fact to do it online I feel like is probably not as like I guess innovative if that's the right word than doing it in person definitely there was definitely an aspect that was lost because a huge part of Harvard is just the networking and like the relationships that you build on campus are unbelievable and they stay with you the rest of your life um but I will say like Harvard did as best of the job like I don't think it couldn't have been any better like we we were doing synchronous classes on Zoom and it was still very interactive for what it, it was. Um, so I, I still was able to meet a lot of people, even if it was over Zoom, because you have to collaborate on projects and stuff. So it was tough. It definitely wasn't that in-person aspect that you get, but a lot of us knew that. And, you know, we still just looked at it with an open mind and tried to be as positive as we could be about it. Now, how did you handle the Zoom breakout rooms? Because maybe it's a little bit different <laughs> in Harvard, but those things were brutal for me. Oh yeah, some like usually it wasn't too bad. The only the only time I would get a little scared is um I took sign language on Zoom last fall and sometimes they would like just spotlight your face when you were to present like a mini assignment. So sometimes I'd be spotlighted and I would get like Zoom stage fright and I'd forget how to like sign. Yeah. So that was probably the only uh the only time I was really uh <laughs> pretty sh- uh, shocked there but not not too bad. Definitely some awkward pauses, some awkward silences. You kind of are waiting. People are on mute and you're waiting for like someone to make the next move. Yeah. So I think a lot of us are ready to get out of the Zoom phase and just get back to person. Yeah, that was like the worst part was just like Zoom because I'm a communications major. So a lot of my yeah. classes required like kind of group projects or just doing group work. And whenever you went to the Zoom breakouts and no one had their camera on, no one was talking. It was basically just like individual work. It wasn't like any group oh, work definitely. at all. And then our, the t- our- professor would pop in. You would just be like, yeah, we're working on this. Like everyone's yeah. just lying. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. The, the professors, TAs would come around and you would, yeah, I agree. <laughs> now, how have you learned to kind of balance both school and hockey? Because part of, like I said, going to Harvard, obviously you're going there to play hockey, but you're also getting, it's also so hard to get into that school just like academically alone. So how do you like balance both the academic workload that an Ivy League student has, but also the lot of like non time, I guess the lot of the hockey side as well, since you have not a lot of time doing that as well. Yeah, I think actually a high school. So like New Hampton really prepped me for it. Uh, New Hampton's just a prep school and it followed like kind of this, like a very similar to like kind of a college schedule. So I was, I felt like I was pretty prepared going into it. And then when I actually got there, um, time management is huge and just being organized and trying to like get your work done, I think as quickly as you can, like not prolonging it and procrastinating it. Um, so I'm, I'm very big on like when I get an assignment or I have a due date, like try and get it done a couple days in advance just to stay ahead of the curve. Um, I know a lot of people are really good under pressure and they kind of wait till the last minute to do it and they can bang out an essay and get perfect on it. Um, I think if I tried to do that, I'd probably fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think it would go too well. So I'm very like when I get something like an assignment, like I got to do it right away and then I can focus on hockey and, you know, be better there. I think for certain subjects I can do that where like I can like wait until the last minute, but like some subjects I have to like take my time on like math. I took that last semester. That was like a time consuming subject for me. Yeah, definitely varies based on subjects. That's for sure. Now, uh, also just the Harvard thing as well, but um, what's been the favorite, what's been the most, I guess the best class you've taken so far? I'm curious to hear. Ooh, I actually probably the one that I took this uh, last semester and it was just introduction to psychological sciences. So I think I'm going to, I haven't declared like my concentration is what they call them instead of majors. Um, but I'm, I'm probably going to major in cognitive neuroscience and evolutionary psychology. 
Um, so I took like just like the basic introductory psychology course that you need to for all the life sciences. Um, and it was so interesting. And uh, the professor was unbelievable. Like he's he's a very well known professor and he's written a lot of books. And I think his lectures, like every time he spoke, I was just jaw dropped because he was so good at just communicating and engaging like all the students in the lecture hall it was pretty big, pretty big classroom. There was maybe a little bit over 200, 250 students. Um, and it was, it was awesome. Like everything, I know some people don't like science, but everything that came out of his mouth, I was like in awe by. So I would say that class was pretty cool. I think like, I'm not the, like there's certain sciences I'm not into like chemistry, physics, like yeah. no, thank you. But like when it goes to like biology and like psychology, I think that's really interesting, especially yeah. in psychology, just because I think you can apply it to different things, which I think is interesting. Like I know Definitely. for me as a big sports fan, it's kind of cool hearing sports psychologists and just hearing how like the mindsets you need to have when you play different sports and kind of dealing with the mindset of recovering through an injury and all that kind of stuff. I think it's yeah. really that whole aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot about mental health and psychology that goes into sports. So that's a really big reason why I'm super intrigued by it as well. Is that something like, uh, what, what, was that something you want to do like after college, like be a psychologist or like work in that field? Yeah, definitely. I think working with people, just anyone who needs a little bit of any kind of guidance, like I really want to definitely work with people, be able to help people in ways that people have helped me growing up. Um, so anything psychology, like psychological sciences, human anatomy, biology, like it's right up my alley. I love that stuff for sure. So definitely. Now let's kind of get into the beginning of your hockey career. So on your elite prospect page, it says you're from Alberta, but kind of talking to you for a little bit, it seems like you kind of move around different places in California, yeah. Michigan. But uh, so what was it like, I guess, living in Alberta for the time you did? And just talk about why you started playing hockey. Yeah. So my dad, um, I, I guess I was just born right into it. My dad played in the NHL for a couple of seasons in the AHL. Um, so he's back and forth and he, he put us in skates, all of me and my siblings, I think right out of the womb, we got our skates on. So we <laughs> got started pretty early. Um, and I, I actually was born in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and he was still playing at the time. And then we came over to Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton. Um, so we kind of were bouncing around when he was still ending his career. Um, me and my older, my oldest brother, uh, he just finished his career at Alabama Huntsville after their season or their program was uh, shut down, but he's still playing professional for the Havoc in Alabama. And then my little sister plays as well here in Michigan for Little Caesars. Um, so just big hockey family. I think it's just running our DNA. Um, and I'm super fortunate that it has, like, it's been just, I think, such a big part of our life, if not like our entire life, because after he finished uh, playing, he started, he got into coaching. So he, his first coaching gig was in Edmonton. So we stayed in Alberta. He was coaching the WHL team, the Oil Kings at the time. Um, and then from there, we just bounced around all over. So it's been really exciting. It's been really fun. I wouldn't change it for anything. Now, I guess I didn't know that uh, before this interview. Yeah. So what, which teams did he play for? I'm just curious. He played for the Calgary Flames. So he was born in Calgary. And then I think he, he played for Florida Panthers as well. Um, honestly, I couldn't even list them all. He's, he's all over the place. I, I think those are the two that stand out to the most. And then I grew, my sister was born in Peoria, um, Illinois. So he was with the Rivermen at that time. Um, but honestly, it's a great question. I should probably ask more about that. So growing up, moving around these different places, like how did you handle that? Did you like kind of like it? Cause I know some kids they're like used to it, but some kids, you know, they're like, it's kind of hard to adjust to different spots um, growing up. 
Yeah, it was definitely um, challenging at times. Like, I don't think I lived in a town more than two, three years. So, like, you're always on to the next thing. Um, but in a way, it, it makes you so versatile and it really makes you able to adapt and, and be good in new situations. So I think me and my siblings are really good at, you know, just being plopped wherever and then working with it and thriving wherever we go. Um, so it's definitely, it was, it was an adventure growing up. Like everything was always changing. It was super fun. Um, you know, me and my family are so close because whenever we moved, like the only thing that was really familiar was each other. So our family, like family's huge. My sister's probably my, my best friend. Um, but definitely could be challenging at times. Um, especially like going, I would say more challenging when you got older. So like that middle school, early high school phase, just because, you know, there's like established friend groups at places you're you're kind of the new kid but it you were always the new kid so I think we got used to it pretty quickly and it if anything it just made you a better communicator like you had to be forced to make friends and put yourself out there so I'd say definitely super advantageous but had its drawbacks as well now I guess um also what's it like being a kid of an NHL player um how's that like is there any cool things you got to do that you know a lot of hockey kids didn't get to do I'm assuming you got to go on the ice a few times yeah no definitely um it was cool like I grew up I feel like I grew up in a rink so when I was like some of my earliest memories um hanging out in you know like the the family room after the hockey games waiting for him um, I know when my oldest brother, I wasn't born yet, but I think when he was like two, he like went on on the ice and like sing the national anthem while my dad was like holding him in his gear. So there's like funny pictures, funny memories. Um, definitely super cool. Um, he he taught me, you know, so much, like almost everything I know about hockey. He really sparked my love for the game. So like I owe so much to my dad for that. Um, but definitely super cool. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about the Harvard women's hockey roster, Hannah Chorsky, her dad also played in the NHL. Yeah. Is that kind of cool to have that connection with some, one of your teammates? Yeah, I think they may have played against each other at one point. Oh, that's cool. Like, it's, it's funny. Yeah, like whenever – it's really funny because like, I feel like he knows so many people, so I'll come back home and I'll be like, hey, dad, like my buddy's dad played so-and-so. Like, did you ever play against him? And if I name a name, he'll be like, oh, yeah, like I know him. I know him. So like, it's cool because you see all these connections form. Like the hockey world is so small. Um, so it's definitely pretty interesting. Yeah. And he won a Stanley cup too, if I'm not mistaken. So that's yeah, pretty cool yeah. as well. Yeah. Super cool. Now kind of who was your favorite player growing up? Was it your dad or was it one of the superstars he played with, uh, that you kind of liked watching? Uh, no, I don't, I honestly, I don't think it was my dad. My dad was more of a physical, like tough guy. Like he was, he was just nails. He was a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a centerman, so I can't I mean, definitely admire him, but don't know if I would say he was my favorite. I, uh, I think I grew up, I loved Brendan Gallagher for some reason. Like he's, you know, good, good Canadian boy. Like I think yeah. he's not, not very big. Like I'm not, I'm not overly big myself, but he's just so tenacious on the ice. Like I loved watching him play. Cause he's just like tiny, but so mighty. And he just got the job done. Like he had put the puck in the net. Like he was such a contributor. Like he's not one of those big names that you hear every single day. Like he's not making, you know, really fancy plays, but I just loved how he played. Um, and then now I love watching Patrice Bergeron now that I'm in Boston. Yeah. Like being a centerman, like he's just such a good two-way center. Like he takes care of both ends and his face-offs are just nuts. And like, that's, I think a huge part of the game and something I take pride in as a centerman. So I really watch him in the face-off dot and watch him be a centerman and really try to mimic my game after him. Now that I'm in Boston, it's pretty cool. He's there too. 
Yeah, and Bergeron's also a super humble guy as well. I think that's what makes yeah. him just like such a likable guy because I feel like no one would chirp him at all, even if he like oh. does something bad. <laughs> like I don't know what you would be able to chirp him like about. Like he's just yeah, so solid. Yeah, great guy as well, which I I admire. Yeah, so I'm a big Bruins fan, and Brad Marchand's my favorite player. And it's kind of funny because <laughs> him and Brandon Gallagher, I feel like, go at it all the time, especially yeah. when the Montreal-Boston rivalry. But uh, apparently they train together in the offseason, which I found pretty funny. Oh, I would not have expected that at all. Yeah, I think they're both played in the same junior team in Vancouver, so that's why they train together. So I thought that was like really interesting to hear. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected that either. Now, before you played uh, – with Harvard, you played with New Hampton, but you also played with the Boston Junior Eagles. So how'd you get the opportunity to go to those two teams and just talk about your experience with those two teams and like, what's the best memories you have with them? Yeah. So the reason I went to New Hampton was just like going back to that moving factor. Like I was, I was moving around so much and it kind of was at that point, like if we moved um, to a state that didn't really, you know, have a huge hockey hub, like, I don't know where I was going to play. Um, so I, like my family thought it would just be kind of a safe bet to go and like choose a prep school that, you know, you'd be happy at so you can graduate cause and play hockey. Cause like if they moved around in the background, like I would still be at that one prep school. So it wouldn't affect me as much. Um, so just through like an alumni that went to New Hampton who actually worked with Vegas, uh, Golden Knights. And when my dad was with that organization, he recommended New Hampton and said he went there and. I went and toured the school, talked to uh, Craig Churchill, the head coach, who's now like one of my best friends to this day, even more so. Like, he was awesome. So I was I was really attracted to the school right away. The campus was super small, which I loved. Super close knit community and uh, like Church, just the coach, just unbelievable guy, great coach. Um, really liked his coaching philosophies at that school. So landed on New Hampton, and I just loved my time there. Um, but during the uh, couple months before the prep season starts, you play AAA with, so that's where like Boston Junior Eagles came into play. Um, and essentially it was just kind of like a team made up of a bunch of prep school girls um, from all different schools. So I think there was one year we had like four New Hampton girls on that team, five New Hampton girls, and then a couple girls from Tabor, Nobles, like just all over the place. Um, and I loved, it was super fun. Cause you know, you would, you'd go back to New Hampton. Um, but then on the weekends, go play with like all your other prep school friends on that one team. Um, it was super fun experience. I think the best memory I have is winning nationals in California with that Boston junior Eagles team. We, uh, beat Shattuck, um, in my last year there. And it was, it was unbelievable. One of the funnest weekends of my life. Oh yeah. And, uh, well, how did those experiences help prepare you for college hockey? Obviously academically, like you said with New Hampton, since you're kind of in that college schedule, but hockey wise, um, how did it help prepare you uh, once you started playing games with Harvard? Like, have you noticed like what you learned with New Hampton kind of paying off with Harvard now? Yeah, definitely. New Hampton was really good because it followed, like I said, like a similar college schedule. So like you'd go to school in the morning, do your classes, but then every single day after school, like you go to the rink and then you train, have, you know, hard, long, you know, really competitive practices, and then you get into that routine. So it really set me up to have a really good hockey routine with a good academic routine as well. Um, but the paces, you know, prep school hockey is awesome in New England. It was, it's fast, it's competitive. You really develop your offense, you develop your defense. Um, so I, I'm so happy. I wouldn't have written it any other way. Super happy with my time at New Hampton. Now talk about your recruitment process and why did you choose to go to Harvard? Because if my if my knowledge is correct, um, you can't sign like a national letter of intention with an Ivy League school until like a certain point or something like that. Like there's a different rules for getting recruited by an Ivy versus other colleges. 
Yeah, so it's a lot different now too, just with NCAA in general, because they changed the rule at what age you can actually like go on officials and talk to colleges. I think it's like after your sophomore year. But um, when I was playing, um, the rules were completely different. Like that didn't apply. So colleges could reach out pretty young. Um, and they would have to go through your AAA coaches. So I was with Little Caesars at the time. Um, I was really young. I was still like, I was in the college process. I was talking to a bunch of schools, um, but Harvard's honestly always been a dream school. Um, ever since I was little, um, when I found out that you could even play college hockey, like I was super young, but um, right away, just fell in love with Harvard. I think I was like five or six, seven years old. And I watched like a Harvard versus Browns game. And, you know, I just picked the team that I saw was winning. And I was like, oh, like, I was like, that's sick. Like, I'm going to go to Harvard. And so I it was it's kind of a cool story, but a cool, like a joke. Because when I was really young, like, I would tell people, like, oh, I'm going to go to Harvard. And, like, I had no idea what that meant. Like, I saw it in movies. Like, I saw it glorified in books. No idea what it meant. Yeah. Didn't know it was even, like, a good school. Like, I was just super young and just wanted to play for the team that was winning and scoring goals online. Um. And then when I actually got into like the process, like I, I feel like Harvard was always like my number one. It was, it was driven into my brain. And then I was fortunate enough to go out and see campus and I was super young, go on an unofficial visit. Um, and like the second I stepped on campus, I was sold. Like it was, it, it always been like a dream and I always like romanticized it in my head. But then when I actually got there, I was like, this is too good to be true. Um, so I was sold pretty quickly. And you also get to play under Coach Stone, uh, who I think got yeah. her 200, 300th win. How many wins does she have now? It's a lot. It's, oh, it's honestly so much. <laughs> so many wins. I, so many. Just she's, she's an unbelievable coach. Like she is just, if anyone, like if I could be like anyone one day, like she's such a historic and renowned coach. Um, I think she's really built this program up from like the ground up and she's just one of the most respected people I know. I also think she's one of the first like women coaches to reach that milestone too, which is also a huge yeah, accomplishment. I, I, I think it was like 500, like yeah. 500 um, NCAA wins. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like playing with the legend like that? Like talk a little bit more like um, what's she like kind of like off camera. I feel like she's probably like, I don't know. I feel <laughs> like she's, she's probably super funny, but like doesn't really show it like on the bench when you see your team. Yeah. Playing. She's, she's <laughs> a great energy. Every time she comes in the locker room, she greets everyone the same every single day. Um, so it's really nice to get that consistency out of her. She, she really wants, like, she expects so much out of her players. Um, she on, like has coached some of the most successful women, um, after, after hockey and, um, college at Harvard. So to be able to play underneath her and be a part of that tradition and part of that group, um, something that drew me to Harvard as well. Um, aside the fact that I, you know, just loved Harvard from a little age, um, when I actually, you know, found out who was coaching, Harvard and you know her accolades and what she was about her philosophy it just nailed you know nailed it in for me um it's something that you know I could I could only ever hope to be like her um in the future something that I've already grown so much as a person as a player playing under coach stone um and I'm really excited hopefully she stays for for my entire college tenure um she's she's the best I've learned so much from her so far already yeah, and looking at the history of Harvard women's hockey, like in the early 2000s, what was crazy is a lot of the top NCAA point leaders, like still today, played on that Harvard team in the early yeah. 2000s. And they had like, what, 300 plus points. And they were not yeah. even playing as many games as they play now, which is crazy to think about. So, and just to see like the success they've had after college and just how that built, that tradition gets built. Like, is it as a player, like, is it such an honor to be a part of that tradition? And how do you try to keep building on the tradition that the alumni built 
um, oh. in the early 2000s and beyond. Absolutely. Like it's, it's such a storied program and every time we're on the ice, you know, we have all the female banners on one side of our rink and every time we're practicing, playing, skating, like you kind of look over to the banners and you see who came before you and you see coach and how she coached those players before you. So it's super surreal to even think that you get to be a part of that and you can only hope to continue on that tradition, that legacy after. So definitely something special and something I'll never take for granted. Now, something that was introduced to college hockey last year was three and three overtime. As a player, what's it like to be, I guess, watch those and be a part of them? And uh, I guess, like, how do you try to maintain possession of the puck in your own zone and still make line changes and get fast bodies and create offensive chances? Because that seems like kind of the main, like, kind of focal point regarding the three to three overtime. Yeah, I think it's overtime is, is, you know, you never, you always want to get that regulation win. You always want to try and win before. But if it comes to overtime, I think everyone's excited. Like, it's, you know, you love playing three-on-three three in practice. It gets you fired up. You have so much time and space with the puck. Um, and, you know, being – I think we have so many skilled upperclassmen and so many skilled players on our team. Um, it's – you really want to get out there and you want to end it right away. And so I think our last game we actually went into overtime and we scored, I think, 12 seconds in. And it's just – it's so fun. Like, you – we, we practice it a lot in, um, in practice just because you always want to be ready. And so we really emphasize like possession, you know, never forcing a play. Don't start anyone's breakout, like just doing the little things to keep the puck on your stick and then hopefully end the game as soon as we can. Now, what have you taken away from your college hockey experience so far at Harvard, even though it's been half a year, I guess, um, what have you taken away from it? And uh, how are you going to use it, I guess, moving on for the rest of your first year playing there? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is well, like time, time is so valuable. Like I feel like it's gone by so fast, just in a blink of an eye. So really coming to the rink every single day, always wanting to get 1% better, um, you know, keeping your motivation high, keeping your work ethic high, doing everything you can to just keep on that steady incline towards the end of this season and then also in the coming years. Um, and then like we talked about before, just keeping your body as best shape, you know, as best physical health that you can. I think the biggest takeaway is, is, this season, you know, is already going by so fast, but you still have a long college road ahead. So you really want to do everything you can to make sure that you're getting better, staying healthy um, each progressive year until the end of your college year. So. so we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment where I ask you some hockey-related questions and some non-hockey-related questions as well, just to kind of get to know you a little bit off the ice. So my first question to you is, what is the most interesting thing you've seen or read this week? I've really gotten into criminal minds. So just, I'm just going to put that out there. Highly recommend. Um, I'm not, I have a terrible attention span when it comes to like Netflix and TV shows. I can never find something that sticks. I feel like I watch something for 10 minutes and then I put it away and never see it again. Yeah. Um, but over like two days ago, everyone had flown out home to go back home and I was uh, still at campus and my flight didn't leave till the next morning. So I was forced to like watch something and I put on Criminal Minds, and I was like, sold. So good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Who's been the best villain? I've only watched one where it was like this guy in a barn. It was like in the south somewhere. It was like a two-episode thing. I think it was like season two, but the guy was super creepy, so I couldn't watch that night. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super creepy, but like I said earlier, like it's super psychological too because like they do so much in the episodes that to like profile these criminals. Um and like now I think I want to be like like a behavioral like analysis. Like I every time I watch something I'm like, I'm like yeah. so doing. 
um, it's just so cool. Like it's so smart and, and advanced. And I think the acting is so good. The script is so good. So it's the first show in a while it's made me really dial it in, but I like it a lot. <laughs> what were your thoughts on the Trevor Zegers assist and um, well, just your overall thoughts on that? Cause I don't know if you saw John Tortorella's analysis on it. He said it was bad for the game, which I don't understand why he said that. I think it's, when does a goal ever hurt the game? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think everyone was just like, I honestly, I don't even know if I was surprised. Like I think the game has just evolved so much and like, he's such an elite player, like plays like that are bound to happen. Um, I don't think it's bad for the game at all. I think it's, it's creative. I mean, the puck went in the net and the goal's a goal. So it doesn't matter if it was, you know, one of the scrappiest goals or one of the prettiest goals in, in the game he got it done. And I think just the way he did it was really freaking cool. So. Yeah. He's honestly becoming one of my new favorite players in the NHL, just because I don't know. He's, I feel like he kind of exuberates um, my generation of hockey, just like just young, having fun, like not really thinking about other stuff. I think that's cool. And I don't know if, so, if you saw this, but there was a press conference where he brought like a baby Yoda toy for star Wars night and like <laughs> played in front of the press conferencing. I thought that was pretty funny. She just seems like a cool dude. Yeah, he keeps it light, and I think that's that's so good. Like, he doesn't put a lot of pressure on himself, it seems. You know, he, he goes out and he works hard, and he's he's already so successful at the NHL level, and so clearly he's doing something right. So, I mean, I think the way he chooses to do things is working out for him just fine. Now, I don't know if you have a Spotify account, but what was your number one listen to artist, and uh, what music do you just like to listen to if uh, you don't have a one? I'm a big country girl, so my number one was Morgan Wallen and Luke Combs. Just never, never a bad time for country. Put it on quite often. Um, and then, but honestly, like everything, like rap before games, maybe like throwbacks, like early 2000s, EDM, like I'm all over the place, but country was definitely my number one listen to this year. Yeah. Morgan Wallen has one song called Somebody's Problem. That was a good summer vibe for okay. yours truly. So I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> it's great. He's great. The best. I'm like, never can go wrong if you put him on. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do in Boston? Because I know you're talking about how much you love Southern Ca- or Northern California. And I have to disagree with that because I'm from Boston and I think Boston's number one city in my opinion, but you know, you can, it could be number two for you. I understand. It could be number two. Um, no, Boston, the, well, I like just being, so we're a little bit outside. We're in Cambridge, which I think technically is in Boston, but it's close enough. Yeah. Um, being on campus, our campus is beautiful. I love walking around campus, but then a lot of my friends and I, you know, we like to go out for dinner in Boston if we ever want to like treat ourselves and just have a little night to ourselves. It's always fun getting dinner and walking around the city. Like right before we left, um, a couple girls in my class um, got dinner and then we saw like the like a Christmas market thing in Boston, which is really cool. So it's just a really vibrant city and I feel like there's a lot of good people. Like you can never go wrong if you want to go like to Newberry Street, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's that really popular street. So we go down there sometimes, just walk around. So yeah. It's really yeah, I had dinner in the North End last night, and oh my gosh, that chicken parm was 10 out of oh. 10, and then just the dessert after it was, I, I'm usually not the biggest dessert guy, I tried to stay out of that stuff, but once in a while you got to treat yourself, and that's definitely something you, you do. get to do. You do, you can never, you know, sometimes you need it. <laughs> yeah, it's no. the holiday, so I was like, whatever, like exactly. I'll just do it. <laughs> you got to treat yourself, no so. shame. Uh, I guess biggest pet peeve for me, it's traffic. Um, one thing that I hate about Boston is just how horrible the traffic is and how no one can drive. So that really bothers me. What's your biggest pet peeve? That's a good one. I would, I would agree. And then I would also say airports, just, just airports in general. Like this, this maybe is a similar feeling to traffic. I feel like I was like 
in a physical human traffic jam because I waited at the baggage check, like the drop off bag for like an hour and 15 minutes on my yeah. way home. And especially during the holidays, it's just absurd. It's crazy. So luckily I got there with enough time to kind of wait in that line for almost like two hours. It was nuts. So airports in general. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably even worse now with the pandemic. So I haven't been to an airport in like, 10 years it's been a while i usually just drive everywhere so um yeah that's a good that's a good call if i could drive everywhere i would 100 well, percent. well most of the places i need to go to are in just like the new england area so i don't really need to like fly but hope maybe i think in the future i probably have to get back on an airplane at some point if i need to go down to the midwest or west coast or someplace like that that's a bit of a long drive hopefully, hopefully the pandemic will be fine that it won't be as much of a hassle at that point yeah fingers crossed on that you just never know like we talked about earlier <laughs> yeah now, if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play yourself? Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with um Olivia Rodrigo and when she's done with the high school musical acting career. Uh, it's kind of a joke on <laughs> the team. A lot of when I got in, everyone started calling me Liv and Olivia because they think I look like her. Um I mean, I think I sound like her. I I might be a better singer if I do say so myself. <laughs> she, she's I would say Olivia. She's yeah. She's a pretty cool girl. She, I really, really like her work in High School Musical. Yeah, that would that be a good Halloween costume. Uh, I don't know if you thought about that. I did. I know I thought about it, but I don't know if anyone would. Like, I feel like I'd be wearing normal clothes because I don't know what she, what she would really wear. But maybe, maybe carry on a microphone or something next year. Gotta I don't get know. You got to maybe look at that album cover and like kind yeah, of copy that off. Cool. That was another one of my top listen to. I don't know if I should, you know, wrap myself out there, but definitely, definitely had some Olivia Rodrigo tunes pumping for the whole year. Yeah, I had Justin Bieber in my top five, so no shame of admitting. No shame. So, sometimes there's a good, sometimes you needed some good guilty pleasure songs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, speaking of your teammates, uh, who's the funniest on the team? <laughs> I'd say um, Keely Moyer, Emma Buckles by like, of country land they're just two two upper two seniors it's so funny like so funny in the way that you just look at them and like they don't even have to be like talking yeah i look at keels and i just laugh and then emma i have a couple uh, classes with emma um and she's just she's so funny every time we have a conversation i like we can't take each other seriously it's some of those things where you feed off of each other's humor a little bit so yeah those two definitely give me a chuckle throughout the year gonna miss them a lot when they go sad to see those two go now you obviously have the best style on the team but besides yourself um who has the best style in harvard women's hockey who's number two uh, i would say off the ice off yeah off, like chloe both, chloe, both. Yeah, yeah chloe ashton off the ice has some unbelievable outfits she can really put put together a nice fashion statement i don't think i've ever seen chloe in a bad outfit and then on the ice, I'll um I'll give my I'll give a shout out to my roommate, my best friend Paige Lester. She's got some pretty good on ice style. Um, just looks looks pretty fluid when she's out there. Looks good. She always keeps it neat. So I'm gonna say Paige on that one. Yeah, well we're doing this thing on our IG like best pregame outfits of the weekend, and uh, we haven't seen Harvard post anything. So is that gonna come at some point? We want to see you know that. 
Yeah, maybe we'll put in we'll put in um, a request to get our outfits. We uh, we're all uh, looking pretty uniform. Like we all wear black pants and black dress shoes. So the only thing we have a little bit of flexibility with is our tops. But I, I still think we look pretty sharp when we walk into a rink. So I'll definitely put in a request. Business casual. Sometimes sometimes that's better than just going out there because sometimes you can completely miss when you do something that's not like t- yeah. a little too um, little too out there. So I play think sometimes safe. black pants yeah. are quite safe. Definitely played safe and it looks good all walking in and the same thing I think too. It's awesome. Looks cool. And also at the end of the season, we're going to find out who has the best style in both men's and women's hockey. So I kind of want Harvard to kind of show themselves out there, you know, know I'll, I'll put in a word. (laughs) I'll make sure that we get, we get some pictures out there. Awesome. Awesome. We need, we need that feature. So I see a lot of teams doing it. So I'm trying to try to encourage all teams to do it because I think it's a cool part of the game. I agree. I think it's cool. Look good. Play good. Now, kind of back to some related hockey questions, but what's the most embarrassing moment you've ever had in hockey? Oh, when I this, I think of this right away. Um, I don't know if I kind of laugh at myself about this, but when I was playing Little Caesars, I was like my U14 year. Um, I had like, I don't know, people call these different things based on different places, but like pant shells or like breezers, some people call it like the just like what you put over your normal pants. I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? Is there overalls? No, 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 like the, the pant shells, like just like the, like people call breezers or like. I have no clue, honestly. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like if I have black hockey pants, but I put on like the orange little Caesars like pants, you know what I mean? Oh, like, like the stuff where you put the socks on, like the Velcro stuff? It, it's just, it's like a slip cover that goes over your normal hockey pants. So like I wear like normal black, like bower pants, but I pull on like the orange little Caesar shells. So it's like a shell that goes over top. I think. Is that a women's hockey thing or maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but it's just like, like you put on like your pants. So it's like everyone has black pants on, but you put on like your, your shell. So, so it's like, you all look the same. So you're wearing like orange little Caesars pants. I don't, it's Mm -hmm. called things. So I'm like in the middle of a shift and I have like my shells on and they're done up. Um, But I guess they actually like weren't done up. So like my pants like fell off in like the middle of the shift, but like, I had like the puck on my stick. I didn't want to jump the puck away. So I'm like skating around with like my pants essentially like around my ankles, like mid shift. I mean, I hear like my, like the parents in the crowd, like in hysterics. I hear like my coaches, like, I don't know if they're yelling at me to get off, but like I had like possess, like I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of played like a whole shift of hockey with like no pants on. Yeah. And I kind of look back on it and laugh. Like, it was pretty funny. I call those hockey pants. Cause I, maybe it's a woman's hockey thing. I don't know, but you usually put on like the pants with like the Velcros on where you can put your socks on. So yeah. that's what I call them. I don't know if like, if, I hear different, like I know people in Minnesota like call them like breezers or like I hear different things everywhere, but it's just like the slip that I had on my pants. Yeah. And- I know what you're talking. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I call them hockey pants. Maybe yeah, it's probably not so the right name for it, but who those knows? things just—they had a mind of their own that game. And then when I got off the bench, my coach was like, <laughs> "What? Ha- what just happened?" And I was like, "I'm sorry. I don't know." <laughs> now, do you think checking should be allowed in the women's game? I know that's been a debate, so I'm curious to hear your opinion on it. No, I think I think that yeah, if it um. If it, if it's like in a state, like if people, people look at it like as an opportunity to like uh, elevate like the physicality and to get possession, but not in a way that you're checking to intentionally like, hurt oh, yeah. um, but yeah, I definitely, I don't think it would be a bad thing at all. Like, I think it would, you know, make everyone play with their head up maybe a little bit more and kind of bring in a new skill set because 
Um, you can definitely still be physical and play the body in the female game, but a lot of the time you can still get away with maybe like suicide passes because you know that someone's not going to come up and smoke you open ice like it would in a men's game. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be cool if you implemented that because you'd be forced to, you know, add new skill sets to your game and maybe think a little bit differently. Yeah. What's, have you ever like thrown a check in hockey? Like, I feel like you've played hockey for all your life. Like, I feel like there's gonna be one point where you just like check someone and body someone by mistake or something like that. I don't know if it's happened during college or not, but. Not during college. Uh, maybe, maybe growing up, I accidentally got a little too aggressive. <laughs> I mean, never, I maybe, maybe there was a few times that come to mind where played the body um in more of like a kind of rubbing out kind of way but you you try to keep it clean as best you can i mean yeah. no one no one likes sitting in the box <laughs> oh yeah i i never like in the box either but yeah, have you ever been sure. like checked before yourself or you've avoided that i feel like you're a good job you can avoid that stuff yeah i feel like i've done a pretty decent job avoiding it um i feel like most of the times that i get like injured might be self-inflicted like i'm like tripping mm -hmm. on my feet and I'm smashing the boards myself so like, i feel like i've done a pretty decent job avoiding that um so far especially in college i can't think of a time where i've gotten like uh hurt or injured knock on wood too badly yeah i'll knock on wood right now too so <laughs> now what should be done to help grow women's hockey in your opinion i know the tournament expansion seems like a good start but i feel like for me television like showing all those games i think that would help like I think if more people see it, they would want to go to the games and help promote it and like follow it. And I don't no. see enough of women's yeah. hockey like on TV. It's mostly, there's not a lot of college hockey on like TV, but whenever there is, it's just usually the men's game. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I couldn't agree more. I think televising it and just getting it out there is super good for the growth of the game. Um, you see like the My Why Tour, which is like the national programs like uh, Hockey Canada and Hockey USA going at it um, the past couple months in these in these games. So I think that's, uh, they're, they're making a big push to, uh, to elevate the game and, and get it, um, you know, out to more people. And then just continuing to, I think, uh, voice and showcase uh, college hockey and professional hockey. Like I think the Twitter movement and like the Instagram movement of like the close the gap was just a great example of what can happen when we really advocate for like the women's game. Um, and we did, like, we went from eight teams to 11, which I think is huge. And that was just because there was so much support and, um, you know, advocating around it. So just to keep on that trend, I think keep showcasing women's hockey, keep talking about women's hockey, um, televising it all obviously would be awesome as well. But I think so far we're on actually a really good path. I think it is becoming more popular today. And I think more people are talking about it and watching it more than they were a couple of years ago, especially when I was younger. Yeah. And hopefully platforms like this one to help promote players and Definitely. get to hear their stories will um, help grow the sport even more because obviously the internet's becoming a huge thing. So I think it's important to also have that kind of stuff as well. No, definitely. I think this is awesome what you're doing. I respect it so much. And I think hearing stories from guys and girls is, is a great way to, you know, get college hockey talk um, out there to everyone who maybe doesn't know too much about it. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of platforms for hockey that's either centered around men's hockey or women's hockey, but there's not a platform really that centers around both. And I feel like it'd be cool to kind of have you two or both the men's and women's players kind of interact with each other. So that's partly why I think why I wanted to start this platform. Yeah, I think this is awesome. I think, you know, this is a great idea. And I think, you know, I've watched, I definitely, I'll shout you out here. Definitely watched a lot of your episodes before. Appreciate that. Yeah, big supporter over here. I've seen my buddies come on it. And I think it's awesome just hearing different stories about, and, you know, learning about different schools as well. It's, it's super cool. Or do you have any advice you'd give to uh, a younger player who's listening right now on what it takes to make it to the D1 college hockey level? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, be present and have fun. Um, you know, do the right things, even when no one's looking and do the little things when no one's looking. So I just think like the work that you put in definitely pays off. Um, never get discouraged. You know, I think like the, the journey to becoming a college hockey player is different for everyone. It's never like a one way street. Um, definitely bumps turns here, but just sticking with it. And if you love something, if you love hockey, like stick with it. And I think hard work really pays off. Now, do you have any shout outs you'd like to give to any of your family members, teammates, friends? I feel like we mentioned some people throughout the interview, but if there's someone you might have forgotten to mention, uh, feel free to shout them out now. Or if there's anything you want to plug in and promote, feel free to do that now. It's your time. No, I mean, maybe I'll just shout out my team, Harvard Women's Hockey. It's been great being a part of that team so far. I mean, a couple months ago, I didn't know any of them. Now it's like a sisterhood, a family I couldn't, couldn't live without. So I'm super fortunate to be a part of that team. Um, give, give a shout out to my little sister. I'm here. She might be mad if I didn't have this opportunity. So true Thompson. Um, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Taze, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. It means so much to myself. I wish you nothing but the best for the rest of the season and for your time uh, with Harvard. And I have a Merry Christmas. Have a great New Year. And um, hopefully, fingers crossed that things aren't too bad. And I'll be able to go out to Harvard in two weeks like I, I planned on. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. This was really fun. Thank you so much to Taze for coming on the podcast. Once again, it truly means so much to myself, and I just want to say thank you again. Uh, make sure you follow our social media accounts, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, or on YouTube, where you can watch this entire interview at College Hockey Talk. Doing these things really helps the podcast grow. And also make sure you subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and follow us on Spotify. I'll see y'all next week as we have another great episode then. But until then, take care, everyone, and have a great weekend. And I'll talk to you guys then. Goodbye. You got a smile that makes the sun.